1: Hello and welcome to the Phileas Club, the show where we get people from around the world to tell you how they saw the news from the past month. This is episode number 48 for June 2012. (music) Hello everyone and welcome to the Phineas Club This is the show where we get people from different parts of the world Regular people like uh, you and I And also serious journalists from time to time And by that I mean Eric um, To come on the show and tell us what happened in their part of the world As well as in other parts of the world Of the world, uh, just one is enough And uh, how they saw it in the news, in their family, with their friends What they thought about it So we get a different perspective on things happening in different parts of our beautiful planet um so today we oh first of all i forgot to say my name is patrick patrick beja oh and I'm so your host. close
2: to being the smoothest intro ever
1: damn it <laughs> i yeah i actually you know i'm getting better though uh, that uh equally smooth voice is uh, the voice of john from
2: the u.s how are you doing john I, uh, I'm doing great, and I'm happy to fill the role of the stupid American uh, <laughs> as opposed to the smart American you're going to introduce. <laughs> so uh, it's half past six for me in the afternoon. What
1: time is it for you? Half past noon. Excellent. Uh, Eric is apparently the clever American. uh, Oh, don't don't overstate it. I didn't
2: say clever.
3: (laughs) It's too early in
1: the show to make that conclusion. (laughs) All right. So he's another American, but uh, he's he's living in Paris and on his way to uh, Vietnam. And he's also a resident China and Africa expert. So a little bit all over the map. Yeah, kind of. Um, all right, we'll talk about your uh, upcoming, uh, yet uh, another uprooting in, uh, in a few moments at the end of the show. Um, we also have uh, Paul, who's here from Hong Kong. Uh, yes, and
0: I have a question. If I'm not ooh. the stupid American and I'm not the smart American, what does that make me? Well, a libertarian the American? quiet American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that fits. <laughs> uh, but
1: you're also our uh, Hong Kong liaison. See, yes, I, that's I said it in the uh, in the uh, appropriate voice. Um, what time is it for you? It is
0: uh, 12.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. here.
1: So you're in the future.
0: Do you have Slightly. flying cars? No, okay. Uh, no, <laughs> but we do have uh, British police boxes.
1: Oh, that's nice. That's always <laughs> handy, you know, in case you want to travel to other times and hover? dimensions and stuff. Travel. No, you know, Doctor Who, that kind of thing. Oh. Uh, uh, f- you Americans, you don't get it. No, Actually, I, I got
2: it. it. I just was very, very. I told you I'm the stupid right. American.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. You did uh, mention it. Uh, a newcomer on the show is uh, the very intimidated, I'm sure, Roman from Russia. So, a big welcome Hello. to Roman. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good, thanks. So, how is Mother Russia? Sorry, I had to do it once. Sorry, I I, uh, it. I apologize <laughs> for him. <laughs> How's it doing? Uh, what I I didn't even ask you what city are you in? I'm in Moscow. Excellent. So you get the the news from the heated city of uh, Putin. Well, actually, he's from uh, Saint Petersburg, isn't he? He's one of those uh, uh, fancy people f- who's not a real Russian because he's not from Moscow. <laughs>
4: Well, uh, he resides now in Moscow, so... (laughs) Okay, so it's okay with him.
1: Um, All right, so I'm very glad to get a Russian perspective, especially since we're going to be talking about uh, Syria. Uh, And uh, you're also going to be um, giving us a little bit of a, uh, um, well, summary on the situation in Russia in general and uh, Putin's Hmm. power play, return, let's call it return. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and lastly, uh, talking about returns, the triumphant return of Mr. Saudi Arabia. Quickly. I'm back. Ooh, wow, you blew my ears off there. <laughs> <laughs> so you're back. You're back now. But I'm sure you're, you're, you know, it takes so much work to get you on one of those freaking shows. I'm sure you're not <laughs> going to be back next month. Um
5: uh. Well you yeah, always forget actually, I,
1: them. You're like, oh, yeah, I don't wanna I busy I,
5: I might be in India next month when you India. Yeah, I'm going to Goa for a week long vacation on the beach.
1: Wait, you just told us you were gonna go to the US for that's a month long vacation.
5: Yeah, that's on December.
1: Oh by wow, you're always on vacation. You're I love the... my vacations. <laughs> how much okay, uh how many vacation how much vacation time do you get? Oh, but you run your own company. Exactly. <laughs> Right, right.
5: Of being your own boss.
1: True. Okay, well, fair enough. Uh, so it's very nice to have you back, Turkey. And I again publicly apologize for telling you it was the wrong time last week, uh, make, ledi- leading you to believe that we were recording last week when it Seriously, was actually Patrick, this week.
5: You're that horrified. I'm going to bring it up during the show. You want to strike first?
1: Exactly. Preemptive uh, <laughs> apology. Um but yeah the what you know I could have I could have uh been so angry with you because you you'd never show up and you you managed to you know inception me into telling you it was going to be last week and it wasn't so I can't be angry. Uh so. all right. <laughs> uh all right so thank you very much all for being here. Uh I'm sure we're going to have a great show. Um there's a lot of things happening in the world. Some of them um are sort of not the conclusion, but the coming into the the last stretch of uh, things that have been developing for a long time um, we're of course going to be talking about Egypt and Syria uh, before that I want to talk a little bit about uh, EU and uh, the G20 and Greece and all of these things uh, so of course uh, Greece is sort of uh, has become a, a the the issues of Greece have merged into all the issues of all the southern European countries, and uh, be merged with uh, how can we again save um, that that the eurozone? Um, uh,
5: please don't save it. We Saudis are very happy with your situation. Okay,
1: please explain.
5: Sure. You're making it very affordable for us to go on tourism in Europe. <laughs> thanks for the low euro.
1: Yeah, like, like you couldn't afford it before, right?
5: <laughs> oh come on! It was expensive. It was one euro is five for Saudi rials.
1: And how much is it now?
5: And now it went down as low as four and a half. It was as yeah. high as five eighty.
1: Well, oh, yeah, okay, that, that's fair <laughs> enough But um, yeah, so basically uh, Greece has a new prime minister Who apparently is able to form a government So that's uh, always good The the crisis is uh, not averted But at least on its way to uh, Being discussed I don't even want to say resolved Um uh, uh, Spain has no more money. Uh, the banks are uh, completely bled dry. People are actually withdrawing their money uh, and storing it in their very safe mattresses or in uh, Swe- in uh, switzerland i 've heard something very interesting um, last uh, a few days ago the situation for some of those southern countries has gotten so bad that the Swiss banks are now uh, uh, awarding or or practicing negative interest rates to hold the money of uh, some people, meaning you have a a, a minus 0.3%, for example, um, interest rate, meaning you lose 0.3% of your money every year in order for the bank uh, to hold it which is, you know, I I don't think I've ever seen anything like that ever because the problem is in some of those countries, not in France, that's completely uh, not the case in France, we're doing pretty well or, well, for now. Um, But so those countries have so little faith in their banks, which could collapse, uh, that uh, they don't know where to put their money. Like, literally, are you going to, you know, withdraw it and have it in cash at home? Are you going to buy gold? It's... Uh, you know something that I didn't think would ever happen again. Um, how do you guys see the situation? Let's start maybe with the the one actual journalist in the in the <laughs> band, uh, Eric. You you also um, you're also with uh, France 24, uh-huh. which is a real uh, news uh, channel on TV. For another
3: another three days. Oh, that's right already. Oh so, uh, yeah, I, no. I mean, if you look at the situation in Europe, you know you. Um, There's there's an enormous reason to to be concerned, obviously, you know, it's funny because the Americans, you know, in the political system, in the election uh, campaign there, they they kind of cast Europe as a single entity. You know, you hear Mitt Romney talking about, well, we don't want to go down the path of being Europe and And that's really a huge mistake, because, you know, as you just talked about, each of the countries has very, very different situations when you look at Italy and Spain. You know, up until last year, you know, on the, on, the, on, the, on the fiscal side, on the government side, they were doing very well. They were, in fact, they're in better shape than the U.K., even than Germany, and even the United States. It's the banking systems that's been running into problems. So uh, now we have this new deal that came out of the EU summit last week. Uh, the markets on Friday just went gangbusters. Uh, with the idea that Germany is going to start uh, you know, easing up a little bit on the austerity chokehold that they've got on the continent and well, allowing for some European debt, European bonds is yeah. really the, what they're talking about.
1: Basically, that was what France uh, wanted, right? That we, we sort of uh, ease up on the austerity, get a little bit more money flowing in the system. And, uh, of course, Germany was very adverse to that course of action because uh, – well, they don't want to. They don't want to. They have bad memories of uh, those types of methods. So, um, but but now, so our new president, uh, François Hollande, managed to to to. Have Merkel cave? Well, I'm not if, sure if you how believe the happened. New
3: York Times, it wasn't uh, Hollande who did it. It was Monti. It was the Italian uh, Italian leader Monti who actually cajoled. Uh, you know, but the thing is, at the end of the day, all politics is local, and Merkel faces an enormous amount of domestic pressure not That's to give right. in. So, you know, we can can you know we can criticize her all we want, but at the end of the day, she's a politician who has to go back to her constituents and say, you know, we're giving out more cash to Europe. We're giving out more cash to support this, and there's this sense in Germany that you know another Enough is enough. Um, well so- there's, yeah, there's definitely this sense in other
1: countries as well. At least I know in France everyone's not not everyone's happy with uh that course of action and with Hollande in general, but that's maybe another story. I mean there's a lot of people who are not of course he won the election, um a lot of people who are not super happy with the idea of going more to the left to resolve the issues, but um uh, Let's do another round, uh, starting with, uh, let's go to Russia. Uh, we haven't had the Russian perspective on all of this uh, since it began, basically. So, Roman, can you tell us how people see the European crisis in Russia? Are they concerned that it, you know, is it actually something that's uh, uh, influencing Russian uh, 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 policies and, and the economy? Or is it, is Russia re- it remote enough that, you know, they you guys do whatever you do when you don't really mind what we're doing here uh, in old Europe?
4: Well, uh, I guess from perspective of uh, Russian government, uh, the crisis affects uh, since we do export a lot of gas and oil. So uh, if the another wave of recession hits, uh, we will suffer as well. At least uh, our budget will.
1: So, yeah. So you don't you don't want us to see, but it's not like. You're, what's the economic situation in Russia? Actually, are you guys in in a, in a crisis, in a recession, or is it st- you know is it uh, well, different from uh, the rest yeah. of Europe?
4: We really depend on uh, the price of oil because our budget is uh, uh, de- depends on uh, the price of oil at the. At about around 115 dollars per mm. bar, and now it's uh, 90s something low 90s, right? So it means that we have to go into deficit and borrow money for the next uh, for this year to count mm. our budget costs.
1: Okay, I see. So it's not it's not all smile and giggles in uh, in Russia either, as well. You know, for oil and I guess other reasons too. <laughs> Asia, Paul, you're now Asia. (laughs) Are we playing Risk? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's a nice way to think about. No, you have to be the U.S. What am I? You're the Arabs in general. You're you're all of Arabia. That's you know who you represent. Um, No, but seriously, I mean, of course, you're from. uh, But that's not much.
5: That's only four hundred million. Yeah, that's okay. I think. Yeah, we but can think Asia, them. Asia gets all the Indians and all the Chinese.
1: <laughs> that's that's true. That's a lot of people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so from Hong Kong, uh, uh, more specifically, uh, EU uh, issues, and hopefully, uh, sort of on our way to resolving those issues. Big deal? Not a big deal.
0: Well, <clears throat> you know, China, China and Hong Kong have been somewhat isolated uh, from from events. They haven't really trickled over. I mean, I think. Uh, one of those statements president who made a couple of weeks ago, he said that the Euro debt crisis was an issue of uh, general concern, basically. Mm. Um, Very nice I, way of phrasing it. Yeah, I mean, th- th- their their projected growth, I think I was reading, I think it was in Time Magazine, an article a couple of weeks ago, they said it's down. Uh, it's not as strong as it used to be. It's, I think it's down to like 8%, but it's still better than a lot of other places mm. right now because of everything that's going on. Um, so they're kind of taking sort of a wait and see attitude. I do think they <clears throat> they seriously want uh, the euro to stay somewhat strong, though, and to be able to continue buying, uh, you know, all the stuff that China is exporting to them, obviously. Mm, yeah. Obviously. Um. In terms in terms of Hong Kong, I mean, the, the deal that was just brokered made uh, investors over here happy, and the, they reported that the uh, Hang the Hang Seng uh, was up, and that was really the big news. Um, so if it affects the Hang Seng here in Hong Kong, then it's it makes news. Otherwise, it's just kind of put on the back burner story wise.
1: I have to say, um, in France, it doesn't really feel like we're super happy about it. Uh, just to get you know the the listeners a, a feeling of how we're we're viewing the problem at this point. Um, it feels like we're trying yet something else, but we've. We've given so much money to everyone that was in trouble um, that it feels like, yes, they still need more. And they're saying, when I say they, it's not just the countries that need the money, but also the the leaders of the EU uh, countries. Um, They're saying this time, you know, we think it's going to be the last time, but they've said it a few times already. So it's not like we're thinking, yay, we're done. We're 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 saved, um, so yeah. I don't know how much we can trust that we're not going to need to do
0: it yet again another time. And is the is the general consensus in Europe? <clears throat> excuse me, in Europe that this is a the too big to fail argument. Yes, yes, that they definitely. can't let these nope. places fail because it'll cause a chain reaction that will ultimately be bad for everybody else. Well. Basically,
3: especially for, for, Spain, yeah, um, for Spain. Greece, they yeah. said, I mean, Greece was, was was okay to fail, but Spain and Italy are too big to fail. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if,
1: if if Spain explodes, then, you know, it's very close to everyone else and we'll we'll get showered by the debris. It, so, and,
3: well, it's even, I think if Spain explodes, it's going to take everybody with it. It, oh, takes, yeah, of course. it takes the entire global economy down with it. Basically, uh,
1: there are a lot of smaller countries in the EU, which we could, you know, Part with, not part with in the sense that if they don't work, we can, (laughs) Um, but Spain, it's one of the major, when you think about Europe, you think France, uh, Germany, Italy, Spain, uh, and the UK, which has that, you know, little special place in the corner, Uh, but these are the main countries. So if Spain fails, uh, or it's for that matter. It's a big problem. Uh, sorry, Eric. I kept
3: yeah, no. If here. Spain fa- and I don't think there's a, a sense of this that if Spain fails, it takes down the euro, and if the euro fails, it takes down the entire global economy. I mean, it's that simple. Um, and I don't think there's that sense of gravity a- outside of Europe. In Europe, we feel it. I mean, there's 25 percent youth unemployment here in France. Uh, Spain has upwards of 50 percent youth unemployment, 25 to 30 percent overall. I mean, they're in depression in Spain, so they feel it. But that sense of urgency just isn't there. Uh, particularly outside in, in the rest of the world. But even you can see among the leaders, there's not that sense of urgency. They're just not compromising. And mm-hmm. they, they keep coming one summit after another after another. And, you know, they walk away with these tiny little measures. So that's a cause for concern is that the political will just isn't there.
1: Uh, John, uh, does that factor into the, the debates and discussions uh, in the U.S.? Or are you too busy talking about, you know, important no, I, things like... I, uh, Go ahead. What,
5: what, no. What's important to us, no. Patrick? Tell like like t- Tom Cruise is breaking up with his
0: <laughs> wife. Oh, he did? What?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Wait yeah. a minute. Stop the show.
0: <laughs> divorce in New York. Yeah, you guys didn't hear. There, there's apparently this conspiracy, too, that every wife he's divorced from has been 33 years old at the time of divorce. <laughs> must be a
3: Scientology thing. Yeah, probably. Uh, um, All right. Keep going.
2: So, uh, yeah, so Tom Cruise, no, um, I, from from my perspective, the conversation seems to be mostly about how little is actually happening. Uh, and so it, it just, it, it keeps coming up, but it's not like, it almost, it's a, it's a weird catch-22, I think, for us here. It's, we're not making a big enough deal out of it, but it's because... Nobody else is. So, what do you mean nobody else? What I mean is, is like, nothing. They're not like getting anything done. Like, it, you know, we come out of the summit, and really, what what do we have to show for it? The mark went up mm-hmm. a little bit. We've made some, you know, some promises have been made, but uh, I, from our standpoint, I believe, I think even Obama came out and said, like, we need like something to actually. Some real reform happening, and we're not
3: seeing any signs of mm, yeah. it. Well, see, that's I think, I think part of the problem is that what I think Americans don't appreciate is there's entire restructurings of the economies here. I mean, they are yeah. slashing everything here. So this idea, of this perception, and you're right, it is a perception in the United States, and it's a it's a wrong perception that nothing's happening. They are cutting services left and right, things that were in sacred those to Europeans. Yeah, in, but even and it's coming in France. I mean, it's coming very very soon here too. But the southern zone, you know, things you know there are food lines in Greece. They're cutting health care in Spain. They're cutting, you know, all in the effort to reform the economy. But a lot of Europeans look to the Americans who won't make the tough choices. You know, we will not cut 75 percent of our budget, which is entitlements. And yet here in Europe, they're cutting all of those precious programs. Um, you well, know, but even in France, you're saying you're you exaggerating. Know, well, you're exaggerating I mean, a little bit, Eric. I mean,
1: surely, sure, in in Spain, that's the case. But I don't feel in France that feeling of
3: urgency and uh, not here, but in the southern zone. Certainly, sure, this yeah. round of countries, you have about four to four to six countries that are absolutely changing everything the way they've done.
1: Yeah, um, and it's that, true that
3: even that, here, our, our our socialist president uh, has has
1: you know has is starting to have to deal with the reality and. The, the, he he realizes that I'm sure he's always known it, but uh, there are things rumblings about uh, cutting spending oh. in a way that was absolutely not there
3: uh, when he was campaigning. So. Well, he's made a commitment in his campaign to get debt below three percent GDP, and they're at about five to six percent. Yeah. So he's got to do a lot of cutting to get below three percent. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess the EU crisis is uh, is
1: you know we. As for every topic, we could talk about uh, about it for a long time. But let's move on, unless someone has something more to say about it.
2: And the only thing that I wanted to add is it just, I mean, for us, it just keeps, it's like this big warning sign. Um, and it's like, it's just this looming cloud over everything that reminds us. It's kind of like that guilty reminder of the same things that we're facing right now and that we can't even solve. Um, so I feel like. It, it just constantly, you know. I look at the at the problem. I say, you know, you, you want to say, why aren't you doing more? And then you realize, well, we can't even decide in our own country hmm. whether we should be cutting or taxing, and, and, and how to to get in, you know, find that middle ground to to both raise more money but also cut spending.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that's exactly the problem we're having. That's the question that everyone is is asking. When you say you want to cut, some people are very unhappy about that. And when you say you want to tax more, I would tend to agree that we're already taxing quite a bit. So, yeah, tough, tough choices. Um, Egypt. So Egypt has a president a uh, legally elected uh, president for the first time since basically forever um, we we're not going to go over the, uh, the the problems with the Mubarak declared clinically dead just as of at a very you know convenient time for uh the 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 army because in the end uh, morsi has been uh, uh, officially um, instituted as president. And um, so things are looking like they might st- stabilize uh, a little bit. First question I have is for Turkey: How do you pronounce his name? Because on France 24, uh, on Fra- France 24, um, the the lovely journalist that's in Egypt at the moment doing all the reporting says Mors- Morsi with a, a sort of American accent. Uh, uh, it's just
5: uh, Mohammed Morsi. Morsi, right? Yes, I
1: knew it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it is morsi fine so uh yeah Mohammed Morsi is now the new president of Egypt, and of course, uh as most of you probably know, he is um uh, uh he comes from the Muslim Brotherhood which Raises a lot of questions, and uh, during the whole month, the issue was between uh, the, the the looming specter of the old regime and the Muslim Brotherhood, and obviously the Muslim Brotherhood sort of won uh, that round. Um, it in France there it's still that uh, that that feeling as for all the Arab Spring uh, um, revolts. Of well of course it's going to be someone from with heavy islamic uh um uh, i don 't want to say bias but inclinations because the country is very uh you know it tends to go that way with the the there's a little bit more of an emotional reaction here because of course the the Muslim brotherhood if i 'm not mistaken, was born in egypt right Yep. Yes, that's yes. correct. And uh severely oppressed for uh several decades and now they finally arrive to to power. Uh we're circums- circumspect I would think uh in France and we're waiting to see what will happen. It's a civil uh, uh government. Um, not sure what's how things are are going to go. Um first question uh to Turkey, how does uh, the Arab world in general, I know it's very hard to, to paint things with such uh, broad s- strokes, but uh, maybe the Arab world, if you can, and uh, Saudi Arabia uh, see that election.
5: Uh, well, it really differs uh, between Arab wars and within Saudi Arabia itself. There's a huge division on the entire topic. Uh, you have uh, a revolution and you have three elections. The first uh, actual free elections in any Arab country period and uh, we got uh, someone who won who is actually representing the as he said the Muslim Brotherhood uh, very Islamic uh, ideology um, even in for example in Saudi Arabia we are very deeply divided uh, I could say we have three different point of views just here in Saudi alone you have uh, those from Saudi who are liberals and who are not happy that an Islamist has won. For them, that's uh, not a good sign for them to see happening because that means if that ever happens in Saudi, that's an Islamist. And that's a fact. Mm. That would happen if we ever have free elections. Uh, you have the Islamists so, who are So happy. you mean those,
1: those liberals who are not uh, satisfied with the current uh, state of the country of Saudi Arabia itself right who would want yes. to be to have a more uh, open um, exactly
5: society? Okay. exactly those who demand <laughs> free elections hmm. And I'm thinking, and and they're definitely rethinking the whole concept of free elections (laughs) right now. Uh, You have those uh, Islamists who are happy that the Muslim Brotherhood won, that represents that their ideology is winning. You also have Islamists who are pissed and annoyed that the Muslim Brotherhood won, uh, which is mostly from the Salafis. The Salafis, uh, uh, many of them believe the Muslim Brotherhood as uh, an extension of Iran. And don't approve of the Muslim Brotherhood and consider it a disaster. that one of them won the elections yeah. in Egypt. So it's it, uh, and this is an, uh, something that you'll find in most Arab countries. There is a, a huge division. It's uh, uh, you. For example, you have the head of Dubai Police. Uh, who is a complete idiot in my personal opinion uh, <laughs> Who
1: Who isn't a complete idiot in your personal opinion? Ter- uh, trust honestly. me,
5: this guy No, if you ever read his tweets, you'll agree with okay. me Trust me on this one All This right. guy wants to ban Facebook He wants to put <laughs> cameras in everywhere Even in, in hotel rooms And everything to monitor everybody and control everything Okay. Uh, he has a Twitter account Okay. Uh, he posts regularly on it, and as soon as the Mursi won, he posted, I will never salute uh, an Ikhwani. A what? Uh, an Ikhwani. Uh, that's a way to say in in Muslim uh, Brotherhood. Oh, okay. So in Arabic, an Ikhwani, I will never salute an Ikhwani. And uh, it was uh, the, the, uh, Egypt Egypt who got so pissed off, they actually called the ambassador of the United Arab Emirates to explain that. Okay. And uh, and let's be honest, that idiot would salute Morsi if Morsi visits Dubai, whether he likes it or not, because it's not an option.
1: <laughs> yeah, obviously.
5: Yeah. So, okay. So it seems, so it seems the that, and it's very divided. It's very there are horrified mm. people, there are happy people, and it really depends on who you talk to. Then you have sure. people like me, and I'm I don't I'm anti Muslim Brotherhood, but I'm very happy that. There was free elections, and this is the person who won. That was mm. what you get from free elections. You have to support him, whether you like it or not.
1: Yeah, I guess the the prophecies from a year ago came true. And obviously, what else did you think was going to happen? I think one of the one of the things that's definitely uh, felt throughout uh, the country here is the fact that the situation was becoming really, really tense between the army and well, the, the both candidates, um, and and especially morsi more it 's not that easy uh, morsi <laughs> um and uh, and we 're just glad that things didn 't explode of course, things are not completely resolved because the the army is still there, and we don 't know how it 's going to turn out but um yeah the the fact that it just didn't you know that they just didn 't try not to have him uh take power for example was a relief i i think um anyone else
5: uh, that's definitely a relief because there was a very tiny chance that they would uh, make uh, the other guy who represents the old regime win because they weren't very happy to see a muslim brotherhood get uh, up there and uh, it was a very tense time because they delayed uh, announcing the results for a long time yeah however uh mercy up till now, at least in my opinion, has been doing a good job in what he's saying. He's been clear that he's going to have a democratic, free, civil government. Mm. Uh, he has been uh, talking to the opposition, liberals and coups uh, and so on to join in the government. Uh, and he's been doing a very good job up till now, but it's all talk, so until we see the actions themselves. But uh, he's been doing good, and the fact that he won with only 51% is sending him a very clear message that he has Mm. to do what he's doing right now and what he's saying, because apparently the country is divided and he hardly won.
1: Yeah, that's true uh john surely uh the americans uh consider this guy a terrorist and a horrible you know person
2: oh yeah he's uh he's on those deck of cards that they hand out <laughs> um i i think the most interesting thing i mean it this this keeps obviously it, it definitely is in the news here um and it keeps sort of cropping up but i think the most interesting thing that i saw was uh I forget if they were directly quoting him or not, but a professor in, from uh, Georgetown University, I think it was, um, just talking about the the sort of the Arab awakenings and things like that. Uh, he basically said that um, that they've happened because the Arab people have stopped fearing their leaders, but they don't haven't been going anywhere because they have not stopped fearing each other. And mm. I think it's kind of an interesting sort of viewpoint on you know like basically the fear we have of like what can this really survive can they build a real democracy and, and you know out of this because it it's not going to work if they don't directly address essentially what the the arab youth is you know uh, the reason they've risen up is because they don't feel they have a voice at all so yes the the brotherhood uh has the majority but can they, you know, govern while still giving voice to the minorities? Mm. So, but but there's no. It feels like.
1: And guys, please feel free to to you know interrupt and and everyone can speak. But um, there, there's no feeling that you know. Oh my God, this is the Muslim Brotherhood. They're actually you know at the basis of the 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 ext- uh, um, Islamist. Extremists. Yeah. You,
5: know, you know, you know, Patrick. Americans have no right to complain because they raised the guy, they developed him, so they have to take it anyway yeah, well, they like. But that's well, the story he, of our life. He, he, he used to work for NASA. He got right. his oh, PhD. He got his PhDs and masters from the U.S. and he worked for NASA.
3: So he's a well. Uh, I mean, he's a scientist. He wasn't. He yeah. did political work in the United yeah. States. But it, you know, the yeah. bigger question is what you know that he's already started talking about reorienting the relationship with Israel. You know, in the United States right now, you know, the political season being what it is, it, it you, you know most of the the talk is obviously about health care and about you know the political. Care. Campaigns and immigration, and whatnot. But the question is, if mostly reorients that relationship with Israel, which there's huge pressure for him to do, to effectively cut the the diplomatic relations, yeah. that uh, would then register in Washington. He won't, he won't, he won't do cut that. it, but he, he could he, he could he, chill them very, very, very. You know, he could chill them a lot, and, yeah, he and could that's chill what we we'll get. But that's because, what we we'll get. The attention of the Americans is is the relationship with Israel. Um, you know, but the other big question for the Americans is, you know, we we support the the Egyptian government to the tune of one point three billion dollars every year. And will there be diminished political support in the United States to keep sending all that money over to uh, to 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 Egypt at this point? They're keeping it up. You know, the payment went through about three weeks ago for the next tranche. You know, within about three months, there's another payment due, and well, so these payments are becoming uh, more public now. In terms, which is we never talked about, you know, the payment cycles to the Egyptian military, and yet yeah, we I are yeah, I don't now. think
2: I heard about. I didn't. I'd never heard word one about you know how much money we provide Egypt yeah. uh, until uh, until last year. Uh, and yeah, it's and, starting and to come into the. a very good a little thing. Bit. It's a good thing that it's actually out there, and it's something that we can we can mm-hmm. talk about. I guess
1: there's there's definitely that feeling that, um, you know, he can't, the main source of income for Egypt is tourism. Uh, and since there are now free elections, uh, free and, you know, actually effective elections, if he gets too far in the uh, uh, extreme Islamism, Islamization of the country. Uh, surely that will affect tourism, and that means the population is going to be unhappy because they don't have any income. And if he goes too far, the U.S. and others are going to stop, you know, helping out. I don't think he can become extremist
3: unless well, he, he wants he's to launch his... you can wear bikinis and drink a beer in channel shake yeah. so he's already come out and said that to protect the tourists. so that
1: was the most important thing we're good okay
2: <laughs> we're safe you know you, it's you really can... weird that tourism can... is the big thing that came out of this week like even the the g20 summit they like they made a statement saying you know hey you know i'm so glad that uh that we're supporting tourism you know in this process like what like why this is the you know a huge global eco, you know uh well no issue. i mean, t- tourism is incredibly
1: important to yeah. to egypt you know it's it's not just bikinis but it's it's actual um you know the economy of the country if they don't have that um,
5: yeah, yeah and they are very uh, the tourism is, is disastrous right now in And and, and, and it's as simple as just looking at Saudi Arabia. Saudis used to travel to Syria, to Egypt, uh, to Lebanon. Uh, Lebanon, Syria, and Egypt are almost deserted from Saudis. And there's about almost over uh, maybe 2 million Saudis travel to these countries for summer vacation. And they're Mm -hmm. empty this year. Um, Roman, in in general,
1: uh, again, for this thing, we we haven't had the Russian perspective. Uh, So can you tell us about egypt of course but about the arab Scream sh- scream the arab spring in general um what was the feeling in the russian population was this a, a daily concern when it started happening has it remained a concern or has it you know s- sort of faded away uh with all the other things that have been happening in russia
4: mm-hmm. well uh when i started i guess uh the R- russian media has been feeling that it's all uh, a conspiracy that uh, Americans have uh, paid protesters and, and it's all ignited, the whole uh, really? Necklace. Yeah, and that kind of so thing. So we're
1: talking about like a year, year and a half ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay,
4: so, Last spring. So uh, the official I guess the government position is uh, as you know uh, during uh Libyan crisis and now Syrian crisis is not very positive, I would say.
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, Russia is with China, basically the one support uh, of Syria today, uh, much to the chagrin of uh, everyone else. Well,
5: I would say it's more Russia. China is just moving along with Russia. If Russia uh, backs down, China is going to back down immediately.
3: Oh, sure, but they're Mm, still, you know. I wouldn't be so sure about that you know china will china got so shaken up after uh, what happened in libya um, they do not want to see ever again a, you know re- a resolution like 1973 that allowed for the multinational uh, i mean you know the multinational attack on libya and they will they will veto everything in the security council to prevent that they have no particular tie to syria they just do not want military force in syria
5: mm. yeah maybe now, not military force but, but definitely not support the uh, regime
3: no no they're not supporting the regime but they are going to block any multinational effort and that, yeah. that shouldn't be misinterpreted as them supporting yeah. the regime. They're protecting their own yeah. self-interest.
1: So the, the rationale there is – the rationale, rather, is that you know, if things start happening left and right in that fashion, then maybe one day we'll see that happening for us and we'll get invaded.
3: Uh, well, yeah, don't, they don't – because you know there's a lot of issues that the Chinese have that the international community doesn't like. And there sure. can you know whether it's Tibet, whether it's Xinjiang, whether it's human yeah. rights and whatnot. And the last thing they want to see is a mobilization at the UN Security Council for uh, a condemnation and potential military action in China. As far-fetched as that may seem, that, that is one of their yeah. concerns. It, I, this is. is really far
1: down the line thinking, right? I don't think anyone would seriously expect you know, the, the, the Security Council to actually – you know go that far with china it seems uh, you know, know taiwan
2: they are, they are out flexing. there
0: too yeah, yeah. The taiwan's out there and you've got the uh, the island disputes that are going on right now with the japanese the taiwan the vietnamese the taiwanese and the philippines mm. and you know so China's locally now starting it might to flex it... its muscles yeah and you know the u.s has already had some military response i think they've uh, established uh, they've upped a base or they've established a new base in australia and uh you know they're they're responding in kind, and and I think Eric's right that this is really you know nothing to do with Syria. It's they're they're just looking out for their mm-hmm. own self interest because they don't want the UN using these same policies on them at some yeah. point in the future. Yeah.
1: So we we're, we're, we've started talking about Syria. Uh, let's go there. Um, I don't mean let's go to Syria. I, I mean let's actually <laughs> talk about Syria. Um, yeah. So. What I marked down in my notes was: Is the UN starting to be fed up? And it definitely feels like uh, there's appearances to keep, right? When you're when you're negotiating, when you're uh, talking, even to Assad in, in Syria, you still have to say, you know, we're hopeful the talks will bring about something positive in the end, and blah blah blah. And you have to—it's diplomacy, right? Here, it's the first month that I started feeling, actually, they're not that happy anymore. It seems like they might, you know, be fed up or give up or something. And maybe that might open the door to something else. Because uh, the Syrian uh, repression uh, has been so violent in the past few weeks that it's almost become very difficult for anyone to argue that we shouldn't do something about it. Anyone except, well... Russia, that is. <laughs> but there's and not much time. they
3: can do about it, and that's the big problem. I mean, what, what are the options available short of a military intervention, which really is probably not going to happen?
5: And that's why they're using Turkey right now. Turkey, and uh, that's where they're trying to irritate the Syrians to do a mistake, like uh, putting a Turkish uh, plane down and irritating Turkey so Turkey can go in to protect its own interests.
1: Yeah, they, they did that, and look what happened. Yep. Turkey was like, well, you know, sometimes we. Go I know, to the place no, 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 in- oh, oh, no, no! no, they came out strong. No, they yeah. came strong. Yeah, yeah, they
3: said, "Don't do that again, or we're gonna yeah. kick yeah. your ass."
1: Right, but yeah. next time you'll be. I don't know. I, I didn't feel that was incredibly. They could have, you know, retaliate. They could have actually. That was if they needed an excuse to do something. That was their excuse.
5: Yeah, but that and wasn't they didn't. Enough. They, they, they shook their finger
1: it. and they said. Sorry, they need to
5: do it slowly, Patrick. They can't go in. Russia is not going to stand by. They need to to do it slowly so Russia can bend over as well and and doesn't interfere in these uh, matters.
3: Mm. And don't forget, Turkey's a NATO country too. So if Turkey sure. comes yeah. under attack under the kind of the the joint mission of NATO, then it could suck in the rest of Europe. Of course, yeah. Um, Russia,
1: what do you think? You are now Russia,
3: Roman. Uh-huh. Well,
4: you want the. <laughs> Official position, or <laughs> <laughs> well, give us both. Let's let's do the
1: usual. You know what the maybe not well, official, but the the feeling in the population in general, and then you, you can tell us what you what you think if you wish to.
4: Well, I, I guess those that are concerned about Siris, the situation in Syria, they do want uh, Putin to back down and uh, uh, Security Council maybe to interfere in, in what's going on there. But um, I don't so know is how, it, how to is, do is that.
1: There, is there a wide understanding of what's happening there? And is it like, you know, we know uh, that, that Putin is actually defending an, a sort of undefendable position because uh, Assad is oppressing his people and it's... Evil and mean, or is there a feeling that no, actually, uh, you know, he he is the leader of the country, and no one. Uh, I'm I'm talking about Assad, and Putin is right to to prevent an intervention from uh, from the UN.
4: No, I don't think anyone has illusions that uh, Assad is uh, a good leader or anything like that. But uh, okay, that's p- Putin reassuring. is playing a game. Uh, he, he's trying to revive. Uh, 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 past uh, Soviet Union uh, uh, Mm. history like uh, he wants Russia to become uh, another superpower again
1: and isn't that uh, something that you know Russians could get behind even if that means pissing off the you know a few other there's definitely a feeling that you know that's that's a, a game of that's right I'm gonna say it and you can't stop me so piss off Even though it's not maybe the best position to be behind, but that's one of the ways that Russia can affirm itself on the international scene.
4: Is that not. It it doesn't do any good to Russian people. I I don't know Mm. what's the benefit there. Right.
1: Well, (laughs) having Russia be uh, given some consideration.
4: Well, it's already there, but. uh, Right. we're not on the side of good, <laughs> unfortunately.
1: So, there are people unhappy with uh, with Putin's uh, stubbornness on that on that uh, particular issue?
4: Well, I can't speak for everyone, but uh, no. But you know, the, no, the, in general, the the yeah, I think they are. Yeah, mm. I think it's 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 quite unfortunate what what, what uh, Putin is trying to do.
1: So, is there a feeling that you know Putin is doing this and? Uh, maybe not understanding why he is doing this. Like, is it okay? Just back down already. We don't care.
4: Well, I guess he's trying to cling to uh, our old allies uh, from uh, Soviet times. Uh, mm. There aren't that many. Uh, Syria, China, uh, used to be Libya, and uh, few others. Yeah. Yeah, I guess
1: uh it's true that i don't really exactly see as, aside from asserting his his strength and russia's you know uh russia being important on the political scene on the international political scene is there other economic interests is there a reason why he would not want syria to to fall um that i'm not seeing
4: well, the we do export, and I'm talking
1: to everyone here. Roman, of course, but
4: yeah, uh, uh, we do export arms uh, to Syria. And yeah, sure, but we have uh, some old Soviet, Soviet, uh, from Soviet times base military base. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's been hotly discussed. Actually, the the fact that uh, Russia sells arms to the regime. Um, but it doesn't seem like that would be enough to get on the ba- bad side of every other country in the world. Um, I think well, part of I mean, it
3: also is to uh, – to, it's, it's a lever against the United States. It's one of the few levers that, that the Russians have to really you know, force the United States to, to compromise in maybe some other areas of Russian interests so they, they can use it as a wedge. Say, it okay, doesn't
1: seem like they're doing that, though. Well, go? we don't really into... know
3: what's going on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know. But the idea is that they can go to a negotiating table to say, you know, we'll give you a little bit on Syria if you give us something on X. And so it's a bargaining chip for them as much as anything else. It's one of the bargaining chips. Yeah, yeah that, that, that would seem like it would make sense. but. Again,
1: it, doesn't, it' they really don't seem like they're playing that game, you know It's not like they're playing the blinking game. It seems they're really behind. you know they're going to go all the way with this Syrian thing. I would have expected them to already you know cave on that if they were going to the things
3: that have happened in the past few weeks could have you know I don't know. well, maybe they're waiting for Washington to throw a few more chips on the table, and they're maybe. you know just like in poker you've got to wait for the right hand. I guess. Can, Anyone can else I just add something? Oh yes, please do.
4: Yeah, uh, I guess uh, Putin uh, uh, by by protecting Assad uh, is also uh, letting the world know that uh, he's he's not gonna let uh, his presidency go easily. So uh, he wants to defend the you know Syrian government so that mm. in the future, if things go sideways for him. Mm. Uh, he wants uh, the, those who he has defended to help him, I guess. Well, so, I don't, yeah. In the Security Council, at least. Mm. Yeah,
1: I don't know how many people are actually behind Assad at this point. I think he's making more enemies than friends by.
5: Uh, Assad only has one, uh, two support real supporters. It's Russia and Iran.
1: Yeah. No, that's what I mean. I mean, it's not mm. like defending Assad is gaining him lots of friends it gains him enemies but maybe what it's doing is getting you know establishing putin as the guy not to be trifled with it's like you know when he comes to the table and he wants something you're like well we're not going to make him change his mind so maybe we need to compromise or i don't know yeah it's definitely a strange there's definitely this feeling that Putin is going too far on this. Uh, there was a, a, a few actions, you know, a few massacres. It's horrible to say this, but a few massacres where we were actually, you know, until this month, it was sort of, yes, there there's protests, it, it's going the way that it's gone for the other Arab uh, revolutions in the past. This time, except, you know, maybe Libya, obviously, which has become a a, a civil war, but this time, this month in Syria, there was actually systematic massacre of the population, which was, which rose definitely to the level of outrage, uh, at least in France, so... Uh, Anyone else wants? Yeah, to
3: we don't know who actually was behind those massacres. You know, here in France, a lot of the French media kind of went along with the idea that it was the government. Uh, that yeah. was it. But part of what you're seeing in Syria is this breakdown of control. Old scores are being settled, um, so it's not entirely clear who who was there. Mm-hmm. And so I think the media was very very quick here to jump to a conclusion that this was the government that did it.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Here it was no question. You know, it was the government. The government says it's not them. But we know it is. It's basically the story we were. Um, yeah. Well, they, didn't,
3: well, they didn't have you could, proof, though. That's the thing. Yeah you, yeah.
5: you could You could look at it from the way we looked at it here. We looked at it. We blamed the government. Whether the government did it or not, the government should have protected those people. So we blame the government mm-hmm. either way. Sure.
1: Yeah. But it's not the same thing if you blame them for not protecting the people and if you blame them for actually killing them.
5: Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. But this, at the end of the day, it is the fault of the government. So that's yeah. what... And, and, oh, yeah. And no one's saying one, the government one, is nice. Yeah, you know, One thing that... Uh, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before. Saudi Arabia, appear, uh, surprisingly, has been with the revolution from the start. And this is the first time uh, that Saudi Arabia has, has supported the revolution uh, from the start out of all the Arab Spring revolutions. We pulled our ambassador long time before Europe did. Mm. And uh, we kicked their ambassador a long time before Europe and so on, and so it's it, it's a really interesting situation right now for us in Saudi regarding Syria. Do you have people who are supporting Assad? Uh, nobody would dare here in Saudi would say right. that. Okay. The majority of the populations are hugely anti-Assad. If you sure. go out and you tell people in public you support Assad, you would be beaten. <laughs> Trust yeah. me. It's so bad that actually a few restaurants here in Saudi Arabia almost went bankrupt. Restaurants that served Syrian food and Iranian yeah. food because rumors came out that they were supporters of either the Iranian government that supports Syria <laughs> or they were supporters of of al Assad. But one, one huge restaurant almost went bankrupt in just in one day because people uh, distributed the false picture of the inside that they had the picture of Bashar al-Assad on the wall and it turned out to be a fake picture.
1: <laughs> oh my god, that's terrible.
5: Yeah, so it's uh, it's, it's uh, Saudi Arabia is very anti-Assad at the okay. moment and the population is very anti-Assad.
1: All right. Uh, anyone else on Syria? Nope. Poll is silent, but that's usual. Uh John is not speaking. That's less usual, but I guess it doesn't.
2: Uh... I, I mean, it's you know, I I don't know what else needs to be said about it. Right. It's a horrible situation. Uh, there's a no, lot I mean, of political it's, posturing. It's it's and...
1: it's affected. Uh, I'm sure uh, the discussions Patrick, in the
2: U.S. Not right
5: harassing.
1: Now. Yeah. Okay. Let's move he, on.
2: He's he's busy reading about Tom Cruise and Katie. <laughs> <probably>. <laughs> More Actually, I'm, things, I'm reading right? about this weekend's hottest club looks. Yeah. What? I don't know. Uh,
1: all right, uh someone wrote on the um on the uh, on the notes, uh, China sends a lady to space and SpaceX sends a dragon. I I yeah. don't think I
0: wrote that, but okay, Paul, that was you. Yeah, I, I threw that in there. Um it's a little bit of the the, the space nerd in me. Okay. Uh, I got a little oh, bit please. excited about about some of the news going on. Um and so basically in the past month or so, yeah. you've had uh, two very interesting things going on in terms of space and space exploration. Um, in the of you have SpaceX uh, sending their, their dragon uh, module up. And- Sorry, Paul, you
1: were telling us about uh, ch- lady dragons in China.
0: Um, yeah, so as I was saying, um, uh, this news is significant in part because... Uh, The first female astronaut from China got sent up, Major Liu Liang. And uh, part of the reason why they've been talking about this is the selection process said that uh, female astronauts in China had to have been married and had to have already had children. Because they're afraid that somehow if they send up a young woman who's not had children yet, that will somehow affect their fertility and their ability to be a mother uh, in the future. Um, I think some of the other requirements were that they had very good teeth and they also had no body odor. Which kind of makes sense, you know, given that you're going up in a small capsule. Um, But there has been some discussion as to why China is not a part of the International Space Station and instead are doing their own thing. They've got their own sort of uh, modules that they're putting up, and they're sort of kind of going it alone, and some have speculated that they're doing this because they want to prove that they can. Um, Which would make sense. Yeah. But at the same time, interesting what, what you have going on it, with SpaceX, is you've got a shift in space exploration from NASA to uh, the commercialized so industry. Can you explain
1: what SpaceX uh, is for those who don't know?
0: Yeah, so SpaceX is basically uh, privatized space exploration through um, very wealthy entrepreneurs and uh, investors and things getting together and forming companies to uh, do basically private corporate space exploration. Um, and I guess... Some have speculated that this will relieve the expense from the government. It'll provide competition and it'll be able to bring costs down of doing things like delivery and, and you know, future exploration. And, and so they're there's sending dis- dragons? Well, dragon was the name of the module. Uh, uh, that, I, that went see, up. now I'm disappointed. Yeah. You, you... Um, maybe in the future, there'll be like hybrid cyborg dragon that ships. That would um, be cool. Yeah, uh, But I think that's really interesting in that there's prob- there, there seems to be a bit of potential for a future space race going on here, with China on the one side sort of following the old state-sponsored um, model hmm. that NASA used to be, and China has already said they have ambitions to get uh, people on the moon in the very near future. Um, and I'm sure that they want to go on beyond that to, to, to prove their capabilities in sp- space exploration. Mm. At the same time, you know, now that uh, we've had the successful launch of uh, the Dragon Module with SpaceX, you've got people out there talking about mining asteroids. Um, mm. There's a company, I think it's called Planetary Resources, um, which has people like Ross Perot, uh, Eric Schmidt, Larry Page uh, as these big entrepreneurial investors in this company that's basically set up to go out and mine minerals out of asteroids. And they figure, some have said that this could happen even within the next 10 to 15 years. Mm. Yeah, Um,
1: we we definitely... Oh, sorry. Someone was talking.
0: No, no, no. Go ahead, Patrick.
1: We definitely know about SpaceX, at least in the geek circles, but I have one very important question about the Chinese program. Do they use, like, actually state-of-the-art... Uh, uh, machines and, and space shuttles and stuff like that? Or is it what I imagine it to be, which is crummy, Sputnik, old uh, Russian, you know, Soviet era uh, things you know, that don't really work the, super well?
0: You know, that's the, the impression, right? I mean, and in, in some of the pictures I see of their control centers and things, you know, it, it doesn't look like Tony Stark's basement. It looks more like <laughs> the pictures from, from the 1960s that we saw from you know, some, some of the 1960s launches. But the thing is, is that I think that... that and they, they made a joke of this on, uh, what was it, the Big Bang Theory this season. They, they sent one of the characters over to Russia um, to, to utilize some of the Russian rockets to go up and, and, and get into space. And I think that's, that's something that NASA's actually done a couple times. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there's this call to bring the cost down of space space exploration in the West... Whereas in China it's really about rushing to try and 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 catch up and prove that mm. uh, they have the means and the capability to do it along with the other countries that have already been successful in sure. doing it and, um, and, and I think it par- parallels a, an interesting pullback in the in the United States and maybe John can talk a little bit about this too, and maybe Eric as well where the u s has seemed to pull back a little bit from science um, and I know that mm, you know there, a there's bit. a yeah. yeah, there's a divide, and that's not new in terms of the political points. A little um, bit. Uh,
5: can can I mention Kardashians, uh, The Jersey Shore? <laughs> uh, anyway, I can. Mention I don't think all. that's exactly <laughs> the
3: same story. But sure, hey, uh, Eric. You, there is sorry, Eric. <laughs> Eric uh, wanted to say something. No, don't don't forget that the the entire Chinese space program is is part of the the Chinese military. So it's not like we have in the US where there's or even the European Space Agency where you've got a separate entity that mm. is actually all part of. So the line between scientific research, which they're doing legitimate scientific research and military um is blurred in china we don't actually know where those lines begins and end and that also makes it complicated for understanding the budgets that they're using because again it's buried in the in the chinese in the pla budget which we don't know what that is But Eric,
0: i mean couldn't couldn't you make a similar argument about nasa in the very early days i mean they you know, Absolutely. Most, astronaut, most astronauts were military flyers. And, and they
3: still are, you know. actually. A lot of them yeah. come out of the military. But NASA itself isn't under the direction of the military. Yes. Like that the way true. that they. You know, and eventually China's space program may branch out on its own. I mean, they're just, yeah. it's, a, it's a standard development, as you said, like it was in the West.
1: All right. Let's move on to uh, more local stories. And uh, I will start with uh, the double whammy which I don't know if it's appropriate, but for the Socialist Party, after having won the um, presidential election, of course, uh, a few uh, a while ago, a, few, a couple of months ago, um, actually just, when was it? A month ago? Two months ago? can't even remember. Um, they uh, completely won the uh, parliamentary elections. And uh, as has, hadn't happened in a long time, um, France is pink. Uh, we, uh, hmm. I voted for the pirate party uh, In the first uh, turn And there was no second turn Because the uh, uh, right wing party Was the only one that had enough votes to uh, To continue on So I didn't vote in the second one But I probably would have voted in the uh, for that guy uh but yeah france is pink and that has led to a lot of people uh being super happy and a lot of people being less happy we've seen a few uh very funny um want to leave uh france and not you know give out all your money to the state come here, including uh, Cameron's, uh, David Cameron's comment that, you know, he would be happy to welcome uh, entrepreneurs who wanted to uh, have a reasonable um, state uh, tax rate, and or I can't remember the precise comment, but something along those lines, which of course was not very appreciated by uh, the current French administration. Um, but yeah, I think we were discussing this uh, uh, before the show started. Uh, it wasn't my choice, but I'm willing to give the guy a chance And we'll see what he does uh, He seems like an intelligent Person There were a few uh, funny things Like the, the taking the car To go to uh, Taking the train to go to uh, the UK And then having to come back by car Apparently to save money But you know of course that didn't save any money And little quirky things like this But I don't know I Let's give it, give him a chance and see, see what happens Um had, I'm sure the presidential election made some noise internationally, but the uh, parliamentary election didn't make as much noise, right?
5: Yeah, right. Parliamentary elections.
1: Yeah, exactly, like that. So I'm not going to dwell. Uh, I'm not going to delve too long uh, on that one, unless someone has anything to add. Nope. Let's move on. Oh, there's the euro thing. The euro 2012. Football, soccer thing, which I really don't care about. Uh, although there were some interesting uh, undertones in the in the fact that uh, you know different countries were uh, pitted pitted pit against uh, each other. And when uh, you know, I think it was Italy and Germany, or Greece and Germany. Greece, oh, right, that's what it was. Greece defeated Germany, what didn't it? Uh, no, it was the other way around. So who defeated the Spanish or the Italian or someone? Defeated Germany, right? Sp- or... I think it was the Spaniards did. There you go, and that was that had a very interesting resonance in uh, mm. in other uh, aspects of our society. So that was I funny. I think but...
5: I'm the only Saudi who did not watch those games.
1: Really, the the well, of course, football is very popular uh, there. It's very popular here in France too. I must be the only one. Extremely, who really
5: care, the only but... thing I liked about this entire situation was the streets had very low traffic during the games. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, basically that's, that's what's been happening in France Nothing too incredibly uh, fascinating uh, Turkey, do you have anything from Saudi Arabia?
5: Oh, There's a lot that's been happening in Saudi But first there's something we didn't talk about I just want to mention it quickly There's a small movement that's developing in Sudan It's an Arab Spring in Sudan Or Arab Summer if you like to call it Really? Uh, yeah, it's is, is developing very fast for the last uh, few days Huh. Uh, right now, reports are that uh, the government has arrested uh, over a thousand people. And, oh, uh,
1: have have I
3: missed it, Eric, or or is it not that big in in France? It is. It hasn't gotten that much attention in France, in right. part because most non-francophone Africa stories don't get that much attention. Mm. But that that would be really huge because Sudan is
1: obviously has been very troubled in the past few years, and
3: we've heard a lot about uh, Mali but not really well, about Sudan. One, one of the angles on this story is the fact that because of the, the dispute with South Sudan, the oil has been cut off from South Sudan to North Sudan or Sudan mm-hmm. proper. And so yeah. they, don't, they don't have any money coming in. And so <coughs> as a result, they've been having to cut uh, you know, schools and, and tuition fees and all these different programs. And so you're right. having students going out onto the streets who are pissed off because they're not getting the government support. So, well, didn't yeah. South
1: Sudan vote the uh, secession
3: well, they've already broken off. So yeah, exactly. Country, but they're but they, the they're they the ones who wanted to break off, right? They, they, yeah, were, but,
5: they did.
1: But, but they
3: were
5: linked to having problems.
3: That's right, because in Sudan proper, there's very little oil. All the oils in the south, but all the refining capacity is in the north. So oh, right. Okay, south okay, Sudan is sitting on the oil, but can't refine it. So they're trying to build uh, pipelines out through uh, through Kenya and through other Eastern African countries. Whereas in, in the in Sudan itself. If there's no oil going through for refining, there's no money coming through. And with no money, that's what's leading to these problems right now. But Probably a little early to call it a spring. Uh, there's a lot of dis- there's a lot of disturbances, much more than you've seen in the past. Um, but it's something to keep an eye on, definitely. But uh, didn't they think about this before they broke things off? Didn't did they realize well, you know we don't we can't refine our,
4: our
1: petrol?
4: Well,
3: they were fighting pretty aggressively, so there wasn't a lot of thinking going on. So this was there's, this was war. You know, war breaks up countries. Thinking doesn't. Oh, that's that's actually that's and, and a very beautiful. And plus, they could
5: they could still think if they want to sit at the table, make an agreement, and keep on doing what you used to do. But they are fighting and they're refusing to agree on anything.
2: Wasn't well, it also it's the, the South broke off, and it's the North that's having the problem now. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So it's 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 mm. the South th- thought it through and said we don't need you. Well, the South is having problems, but it's not uh, political,
5: but uh, economical, because yeah. they uh, they can't refine the oil. They still need to build a system to, to take care of that oil.
1: Hmm. All right. Um, okay. All right. Oh, so other you... than
5: that, Saudi Arabia, let's see. Uh, our crown prince died last week.
1: Oh, that made it. I was surprised at how much noise that made uh, in, in France. We, uh, it, it was actually everywhere on the
3: news. It was news. a big story here. Yeah
5: it's it's big for a number of reasons the 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 p- past conference was a huge uh, right wing supporter an islamist supporter and he's the, was the head of the minister of interior ministry of interior so uh, his death does change a huge balance of power in saudi arabia um so it it was a huge and it, and plus it was a complete surprise he was all true he was kind of sick but there was no... He wasn't really sick enough that the people would expect him to die. Mm. He died uh, of a heart attack. Okay. So it was a complete surprise to everybody. Even here in Saudi Arabia, we were completely surprised when the news uh, broke.
1: So that kind of, of character who's uh, very right-wing, as you're saying, um, is there still, even with his opposition, uh, he's a member of the right of the royal family, is there a rev? A, reverence I'm not sure that's even a word in English uh, you know respect and and uh, uh, sort of a solemn attitude when he dies even in the in his opposition or is it yeah, you know yes. you don't even care okay
5: Yes, of course, everybody, uh, for us, it's, uh, uh, we have a uh, saying here in, uh, in Saudi, well, not all Saudis follow it, but the ma- huge majority of Saudis follow it, it's, it's uh, if a person died, he's dead, end of story, just wish him mercy from God, because now he's in God's hand, and there's nothing that we or he can do about it, okay. so, so it was a huge news, so we got a new crown prince now, uh, which is his, uh, the brother of the ex-crown prince, last crown prince, uh, we are, and uh, the other thing is this crown prince died only eight months after the last crown prince died. Mm. So, and we have a very aging uh, royal family in uh, which is in power. So, the, it's kind of uh, problematic that the crown, two crown princes died in uh, mm. during the reign of one king. Is um, there
1: a fear that this might bring unrest if the royal family ages too much and, you know, starts showing weakness or
5: uh, it it is a problem because uh, and people are worried because people would like to see uh, that the, uh, the entire uh, system of uh, being king and uh, to be moved to the second or third generation of the royal family because the, all the current generations are very old they're all mm-hmm. over uh, 70 years old the king is about, I think, almost 90 years old right now. So we have a very old. The Crown Prince is about, mm. I think, uh, 79 years old or wow. something. okay. And, uh, and so on. So we really have very old. They're very old. And it's, mm. uh, uh, with, do, with due respect to all of them, I. it is kind of sad. And some people would think it's funny that when you see the pictures, when they are gathering, you see a lot of old people. It's like you're looking into an uh, old uh, people's home. <laughs> So, okay. yeah, and we really need to move to the second or third generation. I think even the second generation is also So maybe the third generation is. The yeah, but there's there's
1: need. no quote unquote legal basis for this, right?
5: Uh, there is a new system that should start after the death of the current king. Mm. Uh, which is that there would be a committee, a family committee that gathers and, like, and decides three to the next. Yeah, mm. the, they get three names and then they pick out of the three names one mm. to be king and, or, and crown prince and those would be uh, the, the descendants of the unifier of the country, the creator mm. of the kingdom, King Abdelaziz, whom his sons have been king until now. Okay. So All right. uh, that's, that's the biggest news. Otherwise, we have some news about uh, women working in uh, supermarkets as uh, cashiers, and uh, the Islam is being pissed at it and trying to stop that. Women selling uh, now working and selling women's underwear. Believe it or not, in Saudi Arabia, men sell women's underwear until like <laughs> two months ago. So, uh, but
1: how does it work? Again, I thought, you know, the, the Sharia was applied very strictly. How can they even work?
5: Uh, it depends on, you, on your view of Sharia if you, and uh, the view of how the system. Right now, the system is that they work in places where they deal mainly with women. And some of them, they even close the shop and make it only women allowed to access. Right. It already depends on where you go. And in Sharia, I know for all, if you actually do look through Islamic history, women always worked uh, in the market through the days of the Prophet and after. So hmm. women have always worked. It's just the concept. And then you have to look at it another way. So you have no problem for a woman to go and deal with a guy when she's buying something. But you have a problem with a guy going and buying from a woman. Hmm. Or a woman buying from a woman, but a woman uh, buying from a guy, people have no problem with. So it's kind of a, a even the crazy.
1: the more the, even the more extremist uh, people don't have a problem with a woman buying from a guy.
5: Exactly, exactly. Okay. That's, the, that's the biggest hypocrisy I've ever seen, mm. and uh, they rather woman sits and uh, there are women who their husbands are dead or old or they're not married. They have children. They need income and they need jobs and these people are stopping them from getting jobs and they're doing their mm. best there was a they tried a big thing on internet just recently on twitter some of these ex- uh, religious extremists uh, went to a supermarket in Jeddah city and tried to convince women and paid them 5000 riyals to quit their jobs and not work there did it and work uh, they would work with two, but I doubt those women will stay away. I think they just took the money, and the next day they'll come back to work. Hmm. Because if you pay them 5,000 rias, that's for one month. How are they going to survive the next month and yeah, the month after that? So, And that's what uh, many people like me would say to people who are against it. We'll say, okay, we have no problem. Let women sit home. They don't need to work. Just you be responsible to paying them a salary every month <laughs> so yeah. they can survive. Otherwise, just shut up and let them uh, earn their living.
1: All right, Uh, beautiful thoughts. Let's move on to, um, I guess, uh, Hong Kong. Anything um, happened in the past month?
0: Well, uh, actually happening right now as I speak, it is the... Fifteenth anniversary of the Hong Kong handover, which is celebrated on uh, uh, July first. You know, it's 1st. interesting.
1: It's interesting to me that there are uh, a lot of people. Pro- well, not a lot, but I'm sure part of the people listening to this show who aren't exactly sure what you're referring to here, because they're too young. They were too young when it happened, and that was just yeah, the so way the world was.
0: Hong Kong was a colony of the British, uh, established back in 1941, and it remained so. Until 1997, when uh, the British finally returned it through official ceremony to uh, mainland China. And so now, on the 1st of July every year, there's a there's a, a holiday. They shoot off fireworks, but more appropriately, it's a time for Hong Kong people to go out and protest. Um, oh. And it's become sort of an annual tradition. We've had protests going on throughout the day today. And they'll be going on tomorrow as well. There's already been several cases in the news of the police pepper spraying people. And in part, it's particularly vivid this year because Hu Jintao is actually in town to um, herald in both the anniversary and the new chief executive that was elected recently. Um, so, yeah, there's just a, you know, it's a little bit of a, a tumultuous time as it were and we've got protests in the street and students and teachers and everybody out marching and uh in in specially sanctioned zones (laughs) um they they, they've learned a bit from the bush presidency i guess in the u.s where they sort of isolate the protesters far away from the president of china
1: (laughs) is that something that you know they people are going to protest for a couple of days maybe a week and then it's not like anyone ex- expects china to all of a sudden say well i mean already hong kong has a lot of uh, uh, is treated very differently from mainland china yes. so it's not like they're going to expect china to say well you know actually okay you can you can have your sovereignty and just go we're fine
0: yeah, that's not well, going to
1: happen. So I'm not sure what the protests are for, just to well, make sure the, that China knows people are not, you know, happy. The protests.
0: Or... Are, there are different groups. Um, some of the protests are based around the fact that there is no universal suffrage in Hong Kong as yet, and they've been promising for a while now. Um, so Hong Kong people can't vote for their their prime leader, which is the chief executive. They can vote for you know local district uh, representatives, and that's it. Um, so that's been a thorn in, in many people's side. They had hoped by now they'd have some form of a universal suffrage and democracy. Um, today's protest was really kicked off by the mysterious death of a mainland dissident uh, named Li Wang Yang. Um, and uh, sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's very mysterious as to how and, and why he died. And there's, uh, the you know, a lot of people locally think it's a cover-up. And then, again, you've got the president, uh, Hu Jintao coming through so that's stirred some people to go out uh, and protest and Tiananmen is still a hot button issue for many people as well because that's not officially recognized by the mainland government and the fact the general sense in Hong Kong is that um, local politics and local policy has been slipping in recent years and and becoming a little bit more uh, in line with Beijing and with the with the Communist Party, and that's made some people uh, unhappy because there's supposed to be a sort of hands off policy that the Beijing government agreed to when it sure. uh, when it took back um, uh, the the colony from the British. And a lot of people have said that they've actually been um, you know been needling here and there to try and change things, um, and you can see that that influence in places in the media and in politics. And even in the school system, one of my big concerns is um, with the school system, there's an idea that they're going to start teaching nationalism at the mm-hmm. elementary or the primary school le- level um, in, I think by 2016, which will be about the time that I will have a little one getting ready to go into uh, the, the school system. So it has me starting to think, uh, do I really want um, a child going into a system that is teaching, yeah. you know, a, a you know, a, a nationalist policy that's going to be tested as a, as an actual academic subject right. later on. Interesting.
1: All right, um, let's move on. That, that's
5: Paul. Sort what's of the big a, deal that's... about learning about the nationalism? We we teach our well, students here.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I I I think he's being cheeky. <laughs> we <laughs> actually do yeah, have it's... that course here.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'm sure it, you do. I guess I'm, I'm in most sure... countries, you have some levels of nationalism. Yeah. Um, I'm sure but... in
1: China, nationalism is, you know, a, a specific strand of that topic.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's stupid if you need to teach someone how to be a national and a loyal. If well, not, if they don't grow up being loyal
0: and a national, well, see, they're not going gonna... to. I think with Hong yeah. Kong identity, Hong Kong identity is vanishing. Um, Because you've got still generations right now who are uh, on on that gap between both colonial identity and now the post-1997 identity. And given two generations of young people growing up, um, seeing the wealth and the success of mainland China, seeing the growth of popular culture there, um, seeing the growth of jobs and opportunities there, and Mandarin is the dominant language, and you're going to have generations who just no longer have a connection to that old identity and that's that's I think a change that's going to be difficult for a lot of local people Mm -hmm.
1: all right Um, let's move on because we don't have a lot of time left Um, Eric I'm not sure how your local story would work if it would be a Chinese. Well, <laughs> I'll pick or... something
3: from uh, from you know. I blog and podcast and tweet on China Africa over at the ChinaAfricaProject.com. I'll throw a little plug for my for the podcast as well sure, every week. As many as you want. Um, and so the big one of the big stories this past uh, this past week have been uh, disturbances in Guangzhou in southern China, where a Nigerian man uh, w- you know was you know died in police custody, and that brought out a really for the second time in about two years. Uh, a couple thousand Africans, and mostly Nigerians, filled the streets of, uh, of, a, of a neighborhood in Guangzhou, which really kind of took the Chinese by surprise. And it got a lot of attention back in Nigeria as well. Uh, you know, the Chinese just don't have, uh, you know, an architecture, a, a philosophical architecture for uh, immigration. There is no such thing as an immigration mm. police in China. Uh, they don't really have the any history of assimilation of cultural assimilation. You know, traditionally in Chinese culture, you you know accepted the ways of the emperor. Period. End of story. There was no compromise. Um, and yet now, uh, amidst a, a a larger crackdown on foreigners in China, particularly in Beijing, where they've had a number of high profile social media incidents. You know, a British man apparently tried to sexually assault uh, a, a Chinese woman and was captured on video. Um, you've had a number of different incidents that have kind of, you know, brought that xenophobic uh, energy out of the Chinese, which sits very, very close to the surface. Uh, and so this issue in southern China uh, was really interesting, and also the reaction on social networks in China. You know, this, this, you know, there's a lot of, of passion on this subject, and so that's something we've been following over in the China Africa project. All right,
1: cool. Uh, well, not cool, per interesting, se, but yeah, interesting. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Um, Actually, I'd love to discuss uh, China and Africa a bit more. It's always something that we're not... It feels like this enormous collision of two uh, uh, very large parts of the world that we're never hearing about. But time uh, being short, I'm not going to delve into it too much, but uh, I'm sure... I'm sorry? Future show. We'll save it for another show. Exactly. Or ChinaAfricaProject.com. Roman... You actually one of the reasons you wanted to uh, to come on the show was to discuss uh, the actual uh, uh, atmosphere in Russia and uh, what's been happening since uh, Putin came back. So, uh, well, I guess the stage is yours. Uh, please enlighten us, because I'm very interested in hearing how actual Russians uh, think about. Well, Putin. H-
4: how far do you want to go? Do you want to go to the elections, or want he announced that he's going to be the
1: um let's go let's go well roughly to the elections but uh giving the feeling because i think for us it's sort of this almost funny situation where where putin doesn't really go away but since we're not directly impacted or we not directly we are but not directly we're not um it's sort of almost funny for us but uh in the email that you sent it really made me realize that you know sort of grounded it in reality and you realize that this is actually a problem for some people and there's it's it's very real and and it's not as funny as it is for for some of us so um i don't know but whatever is necessary for us to understand the situation
4: well um okay please uh, ask ask me questions if you have any uh, well hello. first of all oh, first yeah
1: oh sorry go
4: ahead well, or if you want to start with a question,
1: then I'll go. Oh, yeah, sure. I guess my first question is, uh, so Putin is looking like his return is almost comical to us, uh, but it doesn't seem to be for you guys. How did, you know, the population in general see Putin's return? And maybe then how did you see it? Because you were telling me you were quite active uh, in that, you know, in uh, protesting against it.
4: Well, I guess um, nobody was surprised when he announced that uh, he's going to be again going to elections for presidency, but uh, it it is kind of funny (laughs) in in a very strange way, but um, when uh, last term, when uh, he stepped down as a president four years ago, uh, and uh, he... Uh, announced a successor Dmitry Medvedev. Uh, everyone uh, uh, expected that uh, next term or the, the term after he he will become a president again because sure. he changed uh, constitution. That uh, it used to be that you can have uh, two consecutive uh, terms and then uh, that's it. So now you can. After a short break, you, you can... You can come back. Yeah, you can come back. And uh, and now he has extended uh, the presidency. It used to be four years. Now it's six years. So uh, he's expecting, I guess, to be a president for another 12 years, uh, which is not very uh, good prospect for us. <laughs> because... But I guess,
1: okay, he, he won the election, right? It's not like he, he didn't... He, he, he spiked the results... Well, to some well, extent, but he still... War,
4: the elections were rigged uh, by, I would say, um, uh, by different estimates, about 15-20%. Uh, so you,
1: you don't think he actually won the election?
4: Well, I think uh, he, he probably would win uh, the election, uh, but there, there would be a second round for sure. Because... Mm. Uh, uh, by estimates of uh independent uh,
1: uh, yeah organizations the, yeah
4: yeah organizations uh he got uh, around forty five percent but uh, uh, the elections the official government numbers are that he got around sixty nine percent so if he got uh, under fifty percent there would be another round second round mm. and in In this sense, maybe that there could be a chance that uh, those who are against Putin, which uh, if the elections were fair, would be 55 percent, they they would uh, rally around one candidate.
1: Yeah. And I guess if it's not, you know, it's not the democratic process is not actually respected, then obviously that's a problem. But uh, there's another question I'd like to ask you, which is there's a feeling. I don't know if you know everyone. Everyone else agrees with me, but there's definitely a feeling that yes, Putin is definitely a little bit too forceful, and he's um, he's not the, the 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 he's not the ideal uh, president. But he's the lesser of all evils, meaning that the others would probably be worse. Is that you know? There, there's still a, a lot of uh, corruption in Russia and there, there's a lot of the old oligarchs and, you know, that, that would probably lead the country in a way that is even less uh, respectable with more uh, disastrous results. That's uh, a very clear feeling I think I have and I think is shared by many people, uh, at least in France. Uh, is that well, completely untrue or is it a battle well, on principle uh, or do you have a candidate that you'd like to see
4: elected? Uh, there are lots of candidates, but uh, the way the system was done the, the, there were very high uh, i guess uh, standards for parties mm. uh, so we have only four parties in parliament, and you're supposed to have uh, to you used to have to have i think five million. Uh, signatures to register a party or some something around those mm. lines. Uh, now they lowered this after Putin won. Mm. Now they lowered it to 500 right. people. Okay. So uh, it used to be a very high margin to get into parliament, and then from the parliament you get a, a candidate for presidency. Well, but that's from, from from the party, yes.
1: Yeah, but that's good though. He he lowered the. The, well, the requirements. yes
4: but after the after elections. he got elected sure but yeah. I mean because uh, I just uh, want to mention that uh, in December we had uh, parliamentary elections uh, where the ruling party uh, united Russia it um, uh, according again uh, to independent organizations they got twenty five percent. But they rigged it to over fifty, so to yeah. get the majority in the parliament. So nothing can uh, be done without their consent.
1: So how how is that? Is it an actual uh, problem on a societal level? Do you have uh, uh, protests often? Do you have an issues with no independent press? Like, are you currently living in a dictatorial country? Is that the way you would characterize it or
4: well um slightly authoritarian i would say um i'm i'm not sure what uh uh the degrees of uh, uh di- dictatorships and uh, authoritarian yeah. uh so i guess um, i don't even uh, well we have uh, quite a nice example of a dictatorship in Belarus which is our neighbor sure and uh, people have a feeling that we are going uh, the way that uh, president Lukashenko has cracked down on all the protests as you can't mm. even clap on the street no <laughs> <laughs> okay but
1: you, okay do you have an independent press in Russia then do you have is it possible for the press to criticize the president
4: Uh, Yes, we do have uh, independent uh, press, but uh, it's, um, uh, for instance, TV, which is uh, mostly government-owned or is uh, approved by the government. Uh, You won't uh, see any uh, independent or liberal uh, views on them, so Mm -hmm. maybe only on cable channels. Okay. Which few people have in Russia. Right. Mo- they 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 mostly have uh, uh, free-to-air. air they, they receive is free-to-air TV channels.
1: Right. Uh, so
4: how you you
1: told me that you you do actually go out to protest and you you you, you are active in that field. How spread is that is that feeling? Is it something that is an actual concern for the population, or is it something that only a few people who are informed, are worried about?
4: Well, the protests started after uh, parliamentary elections that were heavily rigged, uh, which was, I think it was a record uh, mm. in, in, in rigging in Russia. Uh, so uh, people went out uh, straight after the next day after the results were announced and there were, by different estimates, uh, 80,000 people on on um, on some square in Moscow. It's they they mostly concentrated in Moscow. Uh, I guess because um, well, it's it's a dif- difficult question why they only happen mm. in 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 Moscow.
1: No, uh, but I mean in general in the population, is it something that's talked about in families, on the street, between friends?
4: Well, yeah. Uh, well, in Moscow, certainly. But uh, mm. uh, as always, uh, uh, state media demonizes uh, protesters. They say that uh, it's American paid, and uh, they, it's <laughs> <laughs> all the protests. The, they're American agents, and uh, mm. uh, so it begs the question. Russia. It begs the
1: question, Roman. Are you an American agent who wants to destroy Russia?
4: Well, I'm not an American for sure, but... Uh, okay. Uh, that means you want to destroy Russia? Uh, no, I guess not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but All the, right. I, I just wanted to say that uh, uh, the feelings in general population that uh, there is no alternative to Putin. People say, but who's, mm. who's better or who, who else? Uh, right, I guess the, that that expresses actually
1: one of the feelings we have in France as well. It's there's definitely a feeling of okay, Putin is absolutely not ideal, but who else are you going to get in there? So, wasn't
2: well, that, 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 that most you're... politics?
1: <laughs> Sorry, John, we I didn't hear
2: you. I said, isn't that most politics? I mean, that's kind of how I feel in the United States. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it's I... like okay. Uh, out of what I'm given, I guess I'll go with that guy.
1: I don't know. I think you know. At least in France, there's a, a, there are a lot of people who believe in the president that they elect. Um, of course, you know politicians are always somewhat uh, criticized for being corrupt and not, you know, to an, to a degree, but not like Putin. I think for Putin, in the case of Putin, there are a lot of people who think well. You know he's a strong. We need a strong guy, and that's the strong guy that we get. And otherwise, things. No one's happy. Well, maybe some people are happy about Putin, but uh, I don't know. Anyone else wants to chime in? Nope. Okay, Roman. Anything? uh, uh,
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah, Please, please. Example uh, that uh, it since May there's been uh, intensification of uh, protests. there was um, a protest on 6th of May, which uh, usually the protests has have been um, very peaceful. But uh, that time, there was uh, some provocations from uh, well, the government says from the protesters, but the protesters say it's uh, some uh, government p- police uh, in, in in casual clothes. So. Mm. Uh, it's still to be determined. So there, there were clashes with police and over uh, 700 people were arrested and uh, lots of people were beaten. And, mm. um, and the next day uh, was uh, Putin's inauguration uh, and people tried to go on the street to protest uh, the inauguration and they were rounded up uh, by the hundreds as well. So... By the time, by the end of the day, um, protesters, including me, we decided to uh, occupy um, uh, squares like uh, uh, occupy Wall Street style. Yeah. But uh, so we stayed. It lasted, uh, I think, for over a month. Uh, For a month. Yeah. We we went from one square to another square because, of course, when we come to a square. Police comes because they read Twitter mm. and everything. We, we communicate via Twitter, and uh, we come. Uh, and sometimes they don't uh, disperse the crowd straight away. They say you can stay here for a while, um, if you don't break any laws or whatever. Mm. And um, and then by by the morning when there's uh, Fewest number of people, they they come in. I don't know, in around a hundred police, um, and then they rounded up uh, half of the protesters. that they have France. They go to another square. Yeah. And, uh, so that, would, that you say, for would you say would you say that yeah that there's a constant
1: like there's a, a, an actual heavy. Uh, uh, Protest movement in Moscow.
4: Well, w- when there are uh, sanctioned protests, like uh, on the sixth mm. of May, and there was uh, the last one was on the twelfth of uh, June. Mm. Uh, I think well around the numbers are pretty good because I could tell you the previously. Uh, so what is it? Tens of thousands?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, thousands.
4: Uh, tens of thousands are okay. around 100,000
1: maybe. Wow. So but, okay, uh, then I'm going to ask
4: it's really big.
1: So I'm going to ask uh, everyone on the panel and then we're going to move on. Um have you guys heard about this in the media? Uh John.
2: Really? Uh, no. There's I uh, we don't we hear about Russia only in terms of how they're blocking our interest in... Okay. So in you didn't hear America about the protests? Nope. Uh, Eric? Yeah. Um, yeah no, in the media? We, I
1: mean, in it, do you feel that the population is informed about this, hears about it in the
3: media? I think more in Europe than in the United States, certainly. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, certainly around the election, those big protests, you know, in the run-up to the election... Uh, got quite a bit of coverage here in Europe, uh, but, you know, since then it's kind of tapered off quite a bit. Okay.
0: Paul, for Hong Kong? Mm, no, not in Hong Kong and certainly not in China, where they've really <laughs> yeah. tried to keep, a, uh, you know, sure the, the tap down on all the, you know, uh, Arab Spring and Jasmine Revolution. Social stuff. media
3: inspired pro- anti-government protests are not popular in China. <laughs> yep. Wonder why. Uh, Turkey.
5: I don't think we State heard anything Nothing, uh, nothing. We're too busy mm. uh, uh, Listening about Egypt and Syria So
1: Yeah fair enough Alright so um, I guess we're going to close that, that, uh, that part on Russia If that's okay And Yeah no one else Okay and conclude With uh, John's uh, Side of the Local stories
2: Well, I mean, in the United States, uh, the biggest thing for the past month has been the Supreme Court deciding whether or not our uh, what the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, as it's also dubbed, uh, was actually constitutional. And the Supreme Court finally ruled what yesterday, the day before, uh, that uh, uh, they upheld it. But I believe, uh, and and Eric, being that you're far more informed than I am, uh, if you can correct me. but I believe they they took back the option. They said the government could not uh, could not rescind funds if the state did not follow it.
3: Yeah, that's on the expansion of Medicaid. Okay. So they could. So that was the one part of it. So there were two kind of details on it. One was that it was unconstitutional under the uh, Commerce Clause, which is what you know tripped up CNN and Fox News um, in just awesome, awesome kind of fail. Uh, so they came out, went on the air, saying, uh, you know, it was unconstitutional. And then page two uh, actually said it's constitutional as a, you know, in Congress's power to exact a tax. So <laughs> John Stewart did some great coverage on that one. Um, and then, um, yeah, but so the the, for the expansion of Medicaid is the one kind of question mark that's now sitting out there.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, so for, but basically, Obamacare is, is is the law. It's the yeah. It's now. Um,
3: Accepted and made into accepted is not the no no that's not well the right no okay word. okay I mean, legally <laughs> legally it's okay it's, it's it's legally it's there now when if the Republicans win in in November uh, and if they take Congress then they can start breaking it apart piece by piece but it's going to be hard for them to repeal it. But then it's also
1: an enormous win for at least that's the way we've heard about it an enormous win win for Obama who who comes out very well a lot stronger for the election
3: itself. It's hard to say, you know, about a third of the people love the law, about a third of the people absolutely hate it, and about a third are kind of in the middle. So I, I, I would
2: say it's even further than that, because I think there's like a, that, that third check about like the idea the art. I just think most people don't really understand it.
3: Yeah, that's and key. how it
2: affects them. Like it's that's the biggest problem right now. I mean, I I honestly don't fully understand it. Uh, And it and how, how is that going to affect, say, Connecticut? And what's that different than uh, the other states? And and what are what are we as a state's going to do with this? So
3: it's. It, He's done it's a really confusing job communicating time. it. I mean, they've just the, the the White House did not communicate the benefits yeah. to people well enough.
0: And, and yeah, these and are I, the types. I think. Of it, things. It, Go ahead. I I think it's an interesting too because I mean you have basically three Americans here on the podcast. Do any of us really understand how it's going to affect us? Because I certainly have no idea. I know that I'm subject to penalty possibly because I don't currently have U.S. based insurance. So, yeah, but you am and I, I going to have to pay that tax we live
3: outside the country. You, you, so that's we can get an exemption living outside the country. I, you know, suckle on the tit of the French state and, and have the best healthcare in <laughs> the world. So it's really, uh, I don't really care about American health care because uh, I, I get free great healthcare. Not, not for much want longer Obama though. Care, I want, <laughs> want booby
2: care.
1: I think that might, you know, bring us to the conclusion of the show. Um, But yeah, the way I I understand it is you have to have health care care now. So you you can can choose which one you buy, but you have to.
3: And uh, it's like wearing Uh, your uh, seatbelt. You have to wear a seatbelt. You can't drive a car in the
0: US without insurance. Same thing. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, Eric, back to back, just quickly, back to your point. What if you travel back to the U.S. and you're uh, there for say a month or two, visiting, you know, hanging out, doing whatever? Do you then? Have to have insurance while you're there. No. Do you have to have travel insurance? You
3: know, it's... You get, I mean, I get travel insurance when I go back to the states because I don't have insurance there. But the um, that relates to your, and this is way off topic. But your tax, your tax status. You can only spend thirty days a yeah. month in the uh, thirty days a year in the U.S. If you want to be considered free of most U.S. taxes. Yeah, it depends
1: on residency. I'm sure
3: Correct. residency. Okay. So you and I are not residents of the U.S. Yeah. Uh, if we spend more, less than 30 days outside of the country.
1: In France, however, we have the state-run insurance, and we can subscribe to it even if we're outside the the country. Uh, there's a special section of it, so awesome. maybe you'll get that.
3: The stupid Americans who criticize French healthcare and European socialism. They just don't know what they're missing.
4: Well,
2: I, I would tend to agree. I I think uh, my wife mentioned this to me, I think, last night, but uh, my favorite thing out of this was uh, throughout all of this, I think it was Rush Limbaugh, our our national uh, uh, windbag on the radio, uh, uh, came out and said throughout all of this that if Obamacare is held up by the Supreme Court, he's moving to Costa Rica. Um, And then, of course, realized that Costa Rica has socialized medicine. (laughs)
3: No, my favorite quote came out of this, and this is the last one. Is Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky, said, "You know, who do these guys think they are? Referring to the judges who, that they can decide what's constitutional and what's not." And that, <laughs> that was probably the best quote that came out of. It. Of course, that's really? the only thing that they, they, do. they do. Yeah, look up Rand quote, Rand Paul quotes, and you'll uh, you'll Red, get a good kick out of that one. Really that's that's pretty good. Uh, All right, I, I would
1: like you know one of those. Uh, I've done a number of uh Felix Club specials and that's one of the ones I would love to do about healthcare and how, you know, is it actually fair to obligate someone to to buy healthcare? It it's I guess it's more a debate on uh on um uh, libertarianism in general that it would turn into, but it's a really interesting uh, topic that I'd love to delve into more. I, I, I just want to time. say
2: one uh, the the only thing it, yeah. it's like I I sort of go back and forth on it like when you think about it as an idea uh, it 's very easy to argue both sides of it and things like that. But when you think about it really of the effect on a country and it 's kind of like uh, you know safety laws, I think we were uh, I was out in Utah for uh, the the nerdtacular event, and there 's people riding around without helmets. they have no helmet law on for motorcycles in in mm-hmm. Utah, and so like, we're, so it got us talking about the the idea of you know state mandated uh, safety laws and and things sure. like that, and and where do you draw the line? But in the end, it costs you know the to state, not have yeah. those. It costs a state for people who are stupid and go out and get into some accident and, you know, it costs us money either way. So it's what way is going to cost us less money Mm -hmm. and help us. And it.
3: any emergency room in the United States, a public emergency room, all you do is see it filled with people going for primary care because they have no other choice. It is the stupidest, most expensive way to actually deliver care. So these idiots out there who are saying that, you know, it's their choice not to, because at the end of the day, we, the taxpayers, typically blue state taxpayers, by the way, um, end up picking up the bill.
0: And I think John's point is interesting, too, because it ties in with what, it, what is it, uh, Mayor, Mayor Bloomberg's trying to do by passing laws to say you can't buy a big gulp or, you know, you, you, you can't yeah. get the salty food and, and all that kind of stuff because that ties back into it as well. And yeah. But then you're back to that libertarian argument. Does the state have the right to do that?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's basically I think anything uh, along those lines goes back
3: to. Jumps back to libertarianism, well, we you know. know now, actually the, the Supreme Court said yes, it does i mean yes. not on the not on the Mayor Bloomberg side, but on the healthcare side yeah right? i mean that, I that question's been answered yeah, I
1: guess. Um, All right, Uh, let's go to the end of the show and the conclusion um, and uh, give each one of you a chance to uh, tell us a little bit of where we can find you on the Internet. After, I thank you profusely for bearing with me and my uh, faulty Internet connections um, and lengthy debates. Uh, So, first of all, uh, John, where can we find you on the Internet?
2: Uh, you can follow me on twitter at copperdome uh and well, uh,
1: i've always wanted to ask you what's copperdome from
2: uh, C- copperdome is my basically just my sort of design you know my my doing business as my name that i've used for oh, for ages and okay. it, it, when i it, it's it's when i made it it was okay what can i get a domain for um and it was going around certain design concepts but um it's okay. That's it's just a lot less funny than I thought it no, would be. No, it's, it's it has nothing to do with my hair. It has nothing <laughs> to do with my uh nothing like that. But uh yeah, so that, that's my name. Uh Copper Dome, exactly how it sounds. And uh I'm on Google Plus. So you can search for uh John Beck uh you'll probably find me there. Um I am also Keep an eye out for uh, you know, uh, Twitter.com uh, slash Negative Cutters. Uh, we'll be coming back with a video version of the Movie Trailer Review Podcast uh, in the coming weeks. Excellent.
1: Looking forward to it. Uh, Eric, tell us about your uh, recent life-changing
3: move. Awesome. Well, I'm going off to uh, FBNC, which is the financial business news channel, Vietnam's largest business news channel, kind of like the Vietnamese CNBC, so I'll be running that out of uh, Saigon beginning in... in uh in August, but nonetheless still continuing with uh, my passion project, which is the ChinaAfricaProject.com. We podcast every week. It's, uh, it's really growing. We've got um, you know, guests coming in every week. We also tweet at uh, Eolander, E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. We've got about five or six of us now working on the project uh, in uh, South Africa, uh, Washington, here in Paris. And so it's a, it's a growing little initiative. And encourage everybody to check it out. You can find us on iTunes just by looking for China Africa.
1: Excellent. Uh, the, I didn't realize it was growing so much. Yeah, it's really it's very really exciting. Cool.
3: And it's mostly yeah. what's best part about it is actually it's all young people from Africa, China, and the U.S., which is really neat. And if you go to the, uh, we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash China Africa Project. So if you really want to get a sense of what young people are think, thinking on this subject, there's actually a lot of, mm. you know, it's a really great, great way to do it. Cool.
1: Excellent. Uh, Roman, do you have a Twitter presence that you want to announce or do you want to stay anonymous uh, enough that the uh, KGB or the new version of it is not going to find you?
4: Uh, no, it's, it's okay. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Z-E-M-O-M-E. Uh, yeah, it's uh, not very pronounceable. Zimony. I, I <laughs> uh, yeah, Zimon. But uh, I just wanted to... Uh, thank you for this opportunity. It's, it's really an honor to be on this podcast. Aww, uh, you're gonna make
1: me blush.
4: Yes, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Thanks. Oh,
1: it's very nice to have you. Thank you very much for uh, for coming on. It's it's very nice to have the the Russian uh, perspective on things. Um, Paul, Mr. Concast.
0: Yes, uh, Twitter.com/slash/foxlore. Although I don't really tweet about. Anything is uh, high-minded, <laughs> is what uh, Eric talks about. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, Concast uh, k o n g uh, c a s t dot com. If you're interested in Hong Kong films uh, or Asian films in general,
1: awesome. cool. Excellent. And finally, the one we've all been we- waiting for: Turkey.
5: Hey, you can find me on Twitter, and that's uh, Saudi Turkey s-a-u-d-i-t-u-r-k-i
1: so i noticed a, a few months ago that uh, saudi had changed uh, hands yeah did what happened there did the the government ask you to no no, your... no
5: it's a friend i was getting too annoyed of people keep following me thinking i'm actually the government or, <laughs> I'm, uh, or I'm actually tweeting uh, government announcements or stuff like that and plus people keep on using my user ID at Saudi as a hashtag.
1: <laughs> right, right. So, Makes sense. so I got just fed oh.
5: up and I said, well, my friend asked for it. I said, okay, you can have it. Now we're using it to put the government announcements, royal decrees all in Arabic. So, oh. it's, uh, And you can see suddenly the, now the followers are over 500,000. Nice. <laughs> so that's the account. So I got you should Saudi have sold 30. it.
1: You should have sold it.
5: It is up for sale if anybody ever offers.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, good to know. If anyone's interested in the at Saudi account, hey, hey, please. Hey,
5: I forgot. You have to get this out of the podcast. It's what? against Twitter regulations to say that.
1: Stop. Oh, I'm sure they won't mind. You won't sell it. You were joking. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, thank you very much, everyone, for being on the show. We went a little bit long, with but with uh, six people, which is the most we've ever been on this show. It's not that surprising. Um, uh, so thanks again to all of you wonderful people for being here. Thanks to the uh, listeners for listening. Uh, John mentioned uh, Tacular a little bit earlier. Of course, if you know anything about uh, this community of podcasters, you'll know about the Frog Pants uh, studio where you can find a lot of other really cool shows to, to listen if you're looking for that kind of podcast. Uh, uh, fun uh, uh spirited show you can go there and you'll find a few of them on different topics mostly you know movies video games stuff like that um and uh for us it will we will be back uh, next month obviously for another show uh and uh, i hope that until then everyone has a wonderful time thank you very much and talk to you then bye
0: is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit FrogPants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.
2: Alright. Are we supposed to say goodbye too? Well, you were supposed to, you know. <laughs> you know it's fine. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>